0: Sports Joe presents the GAA Hour. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the GAR. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Sean Kavanagh And if you haven't listened to that interview, you can go back and do so. But we're all about the here and now. And today I'm joined by my old pal, Niall McIntyre. Some weekend of football now. And hurling, of course.
1: And hurling, Lee. Um, yeah, uh, I thought... Uh, Saturday especially was was brilliant the two Leinster finals um, you know you're sitting down on the couch uh, early enough Saturday I think it was 2 o'clock the Nace and Kilmock game and they definitely didn't disappoint now Um, thought that was a brilliant game of football and the Hurling was absolutely brilliant as well Uh, so um, fantastic weekend
0: It's good to have a a, a good representation of of both codes isn't it like you know usually a double header like I, I always find is like one's a dod and the other one is really exciting yeah. or, or vice
1: versa Football but, usually lets it down
0: Well not lately it's been doing okay um, the football was brilliant I, I really really enjoyed it but um, obviously you know, no affiliation to Nays but you couldn't help but feel for them in the end I mean they lost by 7 <clears> points according to the scoreline at least but doesn't feel like a 7 points game you know they never deserved to lose by that amount
1: no it was the it was the harshest 7 point defeat I think you could ever see Um, they got down to 11 points to 10 with um, 10 minutes to go got down to 1 point and I suppose thereafter I suppose during the game I was blown away by their intensity Mm -hmm. and the running and how they never stopped and they were in Kilmockwood's face and that was clearly their game plan that they would attack this game and i suppose in the last 10 minutes it took its toll on them um maybe a bit of tiredness crept in but they had the three shots dropped short hit the post twice um missed missed a goal chance maybe another goal chance as well like mm. so and they didn't score in the last 10 minutes so yeah. it just it took their t- it took its toll on them they'd missed a lot of chances early on in the game as well mm-hmm. but um, it wasn't it wasn't a seven point defeat and um, I have to say I was very impressed with Ness throughout the game
0: Yeah um, See when you miss points like that late in the game and you're sort of chasing then then what happens is because you're so desperate to make up for it you snatch the next shot and then the next shot and it, it sort of has like a it sort of compounds that feeling Um, but like if one of them had just went over suddenly you've got a bit of momentum and but that's just you know than lanes, isn't it?
1: It is. It is, and that was the way it was. They <clears throat> missed one, and then I suppose the tension builds. And yeah. um, Joe Murphy said it after the game. He's he he said that, like, nice. Our six starting forwards are under twenty three. Like, there's six mm-hmm. starting forwards under twenty three, and three of the backs are under twenty three. He just said that. Like Kim could gave them a bit of a beating last year, yeah. um, But this year it was a lot closer. He, he, Joe Murphy, the NACE manager, he said when we played them last year, they killed us with goals and turnovers. Whereas this year, they killed us with points when we dropped our shots short. They have a couple of top forwards who took their chances, and should they do, like they've yeah. they've unbelievable forwards like um, Shane Walsh, unbelievable Shane Horn, only coming into the team, and he does what he did. Back yeah,
0: no, that's it. I, like, I, we're we're singing the praises of Nias, who obviously lost, but like a lot of it is down to the fact that Kilmore Crooks <clears> are just <throat> a hell of a team. Um, they are unbelievable. You know, when you've got Paul Mannion, Shane Walsh, and uh, Shane Horn, as you said, coming into the team. Uh, Shane Horn was an interesting one because he hadn't been starting, um, sort of in the lead up. But I, I love that when a manager does that. You know, he's seen something in this Nias team where he thought, I I'm going to need a bit of experience <laughs> in there. Um, and he gave him, he called upon him, and like. I think that does something even the rest of the panel the rest of the substitutes that like actually this isn't a fixed <clears throat> starting 15. Do you know there is a way in for me it gives you a little bit of hope that like you could be called upon in, in any situation.
1: It is um, it's something that could do like um, Dara Dempsey he started the last day and got a goal against um, RD. Mm-hmm. He was a Dublin under 20 and um, he came on this time Shane Horn started this time uh, probably instead of him and yeah, I suppose maybe case of horses for courses, a day for experience. And Shane Horn, he's just so composed in the ball. Yeah. Do you remember the first point he got? He just held on to it that bit. Mm-hmm. I suppose longer than most lads would, and then he nearly even had a goal chance. But um, yeah, his his experience was um, it was evident throughout the game.
0: Yeah, and then you already mentioned Shane Walsh. He finished the game with one eight, I think one three from play. I mean, he's back to his best.
1: He was from the very first time he got the ball. Do you remember he got the ball down in the right corner forward position left corner forward position and he dummy two or three lads yes. and ran in he actually ran into trouble and yeah. was done for steps. But you could but tell you, what mood he was
0: in there, You, you could know? tell
1: straight away the the mood he was in and even the last point he got wasn't it brilliant. Yeah. The little dummy and, and, and over the bar. Um that's the best I've seen him in, in a good while now. He yeah. he looks he looked Well how much class. that do you think's
0: just He's just injury free now. You know, and, and the difference that, that can make. Because he was he was on this forever running treadmill with obviously Kilboka <laughs> Crooks, they won the All Ireland last year. And you're straight into the league campaign with Galway. They took the league very seriously, got all the way to the final, then they go into Connick, win it, then they got them group stage. Do you know, like every single week the intensity just went up and up and up with Shane Walsh when he'd never got a chance for even a slight off season. Um, so maybe just being able to focus on club for a little while is has just led him to, you know, clear up injuries, get his groove back. And it was only a couple of weeks ago he was saying that twenty twenty three wasn't for him. And I was thinking, Do you know now he's got another Leinster final? In yeah, the
1: sure. Um I suppose when he came in here he was he was in the boot that day and yeah. that was the day after they played Armagh and they were playing Galway that very week. So I suppose it showed he was hampered um with injuries uh this year. But um yeah, I suppose we've we've it's 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 always the Cliffords we talk about when you talk about how um many games lads have played. But I suppose next behind them he's probably played the most amount of games yeah. between club and county and all very big games as well. Do you know, it, like yeah. all with the there, there's nothing Every
0: like, game there's ever hang on the line nearly? Everything on every... the
1: line it's like the top level. This is Kilma and um yeah, so it was just a joy to see him back in in that sort of form because when he is playing like that, I'd say that I don't think there's anyone in the game at the minute that's as as exciting to watch just. And I suppose that that goal he got summed it up. Yeah, like he's so he, he's great speed and just he has um, he, he's great to watch. Like
0: yeah, I mean he picked the ball up and I just thought from a nice point of view like as the last man you want it on the ball because from 0 to 10, like a standing position, he, he can accelerate. Like, I've never really seen any player do And uh, his composure there from that point And the camera, I was sort of saying, the camera, uh, you couldn't see the empty net. I know the commentator was saying the goalkeeper wasn't in the net, but I, I was, is, is he not in the net? Is he off his lane? Is he nearly back? You know, because you could only see Shane Walsh running up the, the field. And then he takes a shot and it <laughs> looks like he scuffs it because he went for it low. But then as the camera pans out, you see it's actually like, perfectly accurate and um, again well I, I don't think I've ever seen a goal like that really
1: no no sure we just seen it there he picked up the ball he kicked the ball past the Nace defender and it was 5 metres before his own 45 so he came from from miles out um, I think throughout the game it was just didn't you always feel Nace had to work a small bit harder for yeah. Kim for their scores like Um like Alex Byrne got a few unbelievable scores starting off, and he started like an he started like a train, like he was really firing into it, and you could see he was in the mood. But they were brilliant scores. He was getting. Carwin got one or two brilliant ones. It was the missed chance, I suppose. On top of that, like Carwin yeah. missed a few. Um, the cornerback miss, missed a goal chance. They missed a few chances, I suppose, that will will haunt them. But I suppose it's a testament to Kilmacud's kind of experience and just yeah. to know how to... They always seem to just, even though Nace were playing well, they always seem to have the upper hand and you felt they would respond every time. Like, even if Nace got a goal, I still had a little hunch that Kilmacud might have been able to pull it out of the bag. Like
0: Yeah, they've, they've really developed this uh, aura about them that, you know, even when they're in trouble you still back them to find a way out of it, you know, and you just look at the quality across the pitch and you, you can see why they feel so confident about that. And um, we we'll talk about the, the, the intensity levels and how good they were and um that, that goal at the end of Shane Walsh, like we the, the fact that that was in the dying seconds and he was able to muster up that level of speed and then have the composure to do that finish, you know, tells you everything about his sort of conditioning. But um John Heslin and Shane McIntyre were saying after the, the match that it actually maybe lacked composure in, in certain elements. And I... It, that sounds quite harsh but I actually know what he's talking about you know there was stray footballs being you know passed about there was hand passes from like the likes of Manion and even Shane Walsh early in the game you know they the, the went straight to the opposition and you're thinking that's so out of character for them
1: yeah um, i I probably put it down to the speed like yeah. I was I was amazed by the speed that the game was played at and and maybe that is uh, something to do with like Croke Park and the wide open spaces that are in Croke Park. Um, yeah, Robbie Brennan said after the game, I, I have to say Nace looked to have a little bit more energy than us on, on the day. And I suppose, yeah, it was, the, it was the energy that Nace brought to the game that, um, was, was most impressive for me. And I suppose it, towards the end, it did, it maybe did take a toll, especially on Nace, but it did take a toll on Kilmacud mm-hmm. as well. Like you, you mentioned uh, Shane Walsh giving the ball away once or twice. And, um, Callum Pearson kicked the ball into Paul Mannion's head at one yeah, stage like, right, so there was yeah. a few <laughs> kind of errors like that but I thought it was like I know John Heson in the analysis and Shane McIntyre on commentary um, they were saying that but I, I'd like to see more of that because yeah. it was it was the most enjoyable um, football match I've watched in a long time I think
0: No absolutely and, uh, and Paul Mannion you know he he, he sort of disagreed in, you know early <clears> really <throat> Pointing to the high standards of the club game, um, and the standard is was ridiculous. Now, of course, there's a lot of county players mixed in between both sides, but uh, you know, even even those who weren't involved uh, at county level, like like Sadara Mullen and all, you know, like I mean, he's always at the thick of everything. And um, the standard is just it's as close to county you'll get on the club scene.
1: You know, ne- like to be at that level, you nearly have to be a county level player to be starting on your club
0: team. Yeah, which
1: is just um, that that sums it up really. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, no, but you, you probably do have to feel for Nays because it's, it's it's unfortunate for them in the sense that this is their golden generation, you know, it's the best Nays team, you know, they've maybe had in, well, 30 years since they'd won a Kildare County title and now they've got a couple in the bag. Um, but it just happens to coincide with this <clears> brilliant <throat> Kilmacud team and that have now won three Lancers in a row. I think they are 20 championship games undefeated. In a row since Kilcoo, yeah, since Kilcoo and in the in they all ireland final. And do you, like, do you remember that game? You know, like they were winning most of it. You know, they only they only lost um, that late goal from the Foxy goalkeeper, goal. Niall Keane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's that's how high their standards have been for so long. So yeah, yeah. And it's just really unfortunate that they're at this, that are at this level, and happen to be around at the same time, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, as Joe Murphy said, six to one hundred twenty-three. These boys will be back. Like they're yeah. dominating um, Kilrea, and I'm sure we'll see more of them now in the in the next few years 100%
0: mm-hmm. And then on Sunday the other that was on St Bridget's uh, beat Corfin. <clears> <throat> this probably was a surprise you were singing the praises of Corfin a couple of weeks ago what was it you said do you think that they're going to win the All-Ireland was that it? A- <laughs>
1: uh, something along those lines <laughs> shows how much I know about um football it was it was i was actually really looking forward to this uh, moving on swiftly i was really looking forward to this game because i read a brilliant piece that donico boyle had in the irish independent where because I, I wasn't really aware too much of the rivalry that existed between um Bridget's and and Cara Finn. but um yeah there was there was a great great quote from the 2016 when Cara Finn beat Bridgetts. Uh, Gary Sy said the red and green that was enough these guys have been hanging over us for a long time Um, yeah and he went on to give out about Frankie Dolan there was an awful lot of talk in the papers I think Frankie embarrassed himself during the week he said that it it really didn't matter what we did (laughs) they were better than us that is some quote in fairness uh, (laughs) from Frankie Dolan uh, if that's what he said but yeah like Bridgets have now beaten um, after yesterday. They've now beaten Carfin in three Connacht finals. Like so, yeah. they're like Carfin have been obviously so dominant, and they beat um, they beat Bridgets in 2016. Actually, hammered them, and then beat them in 2017 again uh, in extra time. But I suppose it is. It's something of a I suppose an Indian sign or a hoodoo that Bridgets do have um, against Carfin. Like mm. we know that they were All Ireland club champions. In 2013, they beat yeah. Um Obviously, it's a completely different team now. Uh, I wouldn't say there's any of those lads still playing, but, you know, a traditional club, they won fo- they won four Connacht championships between 20, 2006 and 2012. So it showed, uh, do you know, what a powerhouse they were? And um, it's always nice to see a powerhouse like that come back and t- yeah. 10 years on with a new generation. Um that they're back now at the at the Kings of Connacht.
0: Yeah, because, like, I suppose in recent weeks we were talking sort of about the, the rebuild of Cora Finn, you know, they uh won those three All-Irelands in a row and then they went, I think, three years without winning a Galway title. <coughs> Win the Galway title this year, doing well in Connacht, um, you know, they've got a good blend of youth and experience, like the likes of Gary says but the, is a Jack McCabe up front as well, you know, young fellas. Yeah, and you know,
1: midfield, yeah.
0: And we talked about the blend <laughs> that they had and we thought they were out in the middle of a... a a rebuild, but actually some bridges were just sort of more on the under the radar, doing a rebuild of their own and, and, and coming back into the force. Um, you already mentioned that you know it's been a, a eleven years since they'd last uh, won a conic title. Um, yeah, I, I I was really impressed by them to be honest, and, and probably more disappointed with Corfin. They looked a bit flat on the day. They were flat,
1: yeah. They weren't themselves, and I suppose it set the tone early on. Ben O'Carroll's first point bounced over Bernard Power and over the bar, and he, yeah. I, I, I know, he came off the last; day. he didn't really look right um, in goals there at the weekend. Um, but yeah, they looked a small bit flat. Um, I suppose it is, as you said, it, it is great to see um, Bridget's back. Back like Brian Stack, he came onto the panel. And he was—he would have pushed Ben O'Carroll all the way for for Man the Match yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, he came onto the panel the year after they won the All-Ireland in 2013. And he had a good quote after. Uh, it was in the Irish Times, he said. I was in the stand then. Uh, probably jealous, to be honest. Delighted, but jealous. My brother was playing, so it was a big day for the family. But I was jealous. I wanted <laughs> that success. And I'm just delighted to be here now. So he played... Um, he played a huge role. He he was obviously an all-star nomination for um, Roscommon this year. And um, I suppose Gary Sice has been Carr Finn's main man yeah. uh, this year. And um, even though he's, what, 38, 39 years of age, which is a credit to him. But uh, Stack definitely got the better of that ye- uh yesterday. And um, that set the tone for, for Bridges. There was a lot of good defensive performances. Um, Pierce Frost was good beside him. Yeah. And a few other, uh, Robbie Dolan was good as well. So um, they were just, they were on top and Carfin just didn't have the answers for them.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, Brian Stack, like he, he had his hands <laughs> full with, with Gary Sice, but he, he 100% got out on top, like you say. And it wasn't a traditional man marking zone or role in the sense that, you know, that's all he did. And he completely sacrificed his game because he got forward on occasions too. You know, he, he got a point himself late in the second half. And I think he set up the last score of the game for Carfin as well. So, you know, he still had the gumption, even though he was tasked to mark, this really dangerous and brilliant forward that when he had space in front of him or he saw an opportunity, you know, he, he had the initiative to still go and attack that and, and, and turn it into something, which is what you want from the sort of modern fullback. You know, still capable of getting into the, <clears throat> the dirty, dogged uh, tracking sort of thing, but obviously you got to have that, bring that sort of coming forward uh, element into your game as well. And, and that's what he was fantastic <clears throat> with. But he didn't get man of the match. Ben O'Carroll got man of the match and for good reason. Um, finished the match with 1-7 you, you sort of mentioned there the first point where the ball bounced and just went over the bar that was him wasn't it that was him yeah in his set so I'd say when something like that goes over the bar for you you're thinking well I'm not going to get too much wrong today am I going to get that I yeah.
1: suppose I suppose so yeah it started perfectly for him Yeah, he had the first 1-2 of the game scored he buried the penalty um, put that away lovely um, and he's just a really really composed player I suppose in possession Um He's so dangerous. Like he was, he was, he was marking um, Liam Silk, who obviously is yeah. is one of the best defenders in the country. And Silk, to be fair to him, just as you were saying there about Stack getting forward to make a difference in the attack, Liam Silk did the same um, for her, for Carfin. He went up and got the crucial goal just before half time. Um, he sh- showed great bravery there actually completely took the goalie out of it on, yeah. on his way um, to to getting that goal but I suppose he would have thought that and especially when Dylan McHugh got the goal after half time mm-hmm. you're thinking like Carfin now they have it down to one point um, they're going to kick on from there and that's what Kevin Johnson their manager said afterwards that he expected them to kick on especially after the Dylan McHugh goal but um it just wasn't to be. And you have to credit um, Bridget's for that. Um, the point Ben O'Carroll scored, I think it was, they got four of the next five points after Dylan McHugh's goal. But one of them, the Ben O'Carroll, remember he cut through and sliced it over off the outside of the boot. That was just class. And he seemed to step up whenever uh, Corfin looked to be coming back into the game. So he was yeah. he was the man, deserved man of the match.
0: No, absolutely. Um, you talk about that with the Corfin <clears> the, I mean, we said that they looked a bit flat, but you sort of always had that feeling because of the quality that they have that it would only take a moment or two and then they'd build a bit of momentum and they'd be straight back in <clears> the game. So they get a goal really late in the first half, in injury time of the first half, and that sort of salvages them a little bit so they can come out with the second half with a little bit of momentum. And then they get the second goal, I think, eight minutes into the second half. So you, at that stage, when you say it brings it down to one point, you're really thinking, right? Okay, you know they found their feet now. Uh, they got caught cold early on, but they're really going to start to kick into their groove. But you know, some bridges just didn't let them, and that, and that's the testament of a really good team that you can puncture the opposition's uh, momentum before they even really get building it, and that's because they classy forwards like Ben or who could just hurt you at any stage from anywhere. Yeah.
1: Well, when that first se- when that second goal went in, you're thinking Bridget's are they're going to lose here because mm-hmm. um, Corfin I'm not sure if you remember they absolutely dominated the first five minutes of the second half and they kicked some really bad wides yeah. like like Dara Silk missed a free um, they kicked some other and it's not coming to me Patrick Egan kicked a wide um, and I think Gary Sice missed another free but they were all over um, St Bridges and St Bridges couldn't win a kick out for them five minutes so when McHugh got that goal you're thinking right well they're coming now and um, but it just never came, and that's a credit to St. Bridget's and their iconic champions, and deservedly so, definitely. And uh, Captain Paul McGrath was actually brilliant as well, and he gave a good speech, um, as well. Thanked all the ladies that give them the food after the training, um, which is a very important thing as well. So um, it was a great day for them.
0: No, it was absolutely. Um, <clears throat> what, what, do you, what do you think Corfin go from here? Like, it's like, how do you see this for them? Is this the end of an era? when you think of the all the experienced players that were still a part of that um those all Ireland winning teams or is this just another step in their transition because they've got a lot of young talent coming through as well do you know like where where do you see them was it a last hurrah or
1: yeah well i saw them as as all ireland champions in in yes, the way and <laughs> so like maybe you're asking the wrong man but uh I I think like it would have probably looked like uh, this could have been their chance for like a swan song, like a fairy mm. tale for the likes of um, Gary Sice. Like you'd be silly to write him off, especially the year that he's after having. Um, but I suppose there is there is um, a few older players there who probably will be thinking about their futures. Like the, the Michael Farher was playing. He's been he's been around a long time. Like there's. There's they've they've a lot of young lads too. Like mm-hmm. um, obviously Patrick Egan, Jack McCabe, um, Brian Cogger. He was Galway under twenty as well. Tony Gill has been on Galway under twenty teams. He only came on. Carl um, Silk these guys are young. Like so, they they might use, lose a few lads, but um, I'm sure there's like there's a, there's lads coming as well. But yeah. for that great team, that probably I don't want to write them off.
0: Yeah, no, I'll win the other next year. Yeah, probably. <laughs> You'll have money on them anyway. Um, we'll move on to the hurling now. And Saturday's game, we talked about uh, the Nace match and then <coughs> straight after it was O'Lachlan Gales versus Nafena. And it was equally as, well, pulsating. You know, it was, it was incredibly uh, <coughs> a, a tight game and an entertaining match. Uh, O'Loughlin Gales win their first since 2010, and that's the third Leinster title in total.
1: Yeah, it was it was a brilliant game. though. I have to say I, I really enjoyed um, this one. Um, it was it was O'Loughlin's were probably slight favourites coming into it, and uh, deservedly so, I suppose, as as Kilkenny champions. Like Kilkenny champions traditionally fare very well in in the Leinster club champ- Leinster club championship, um, but. Yeah, Nafina have, have great have a great team, like, and they've they're well coached, and you could see that from early on in the game. Um, they were working the ball brilliantly um, around the place. Um, I suppose O'Loughlin's got a better start, but once Nafina settled and they came into the game, once their backs got on top, and I suppose the main men were were Liam Rush, who's uh, obviously a Dublin legend, two time All Star. Um, he sent her back, and he got into the game and started dominating. And alongside him, Kevin Burke, who's Donald Burke's brother, um, he was absolutely exceptional um, wing back and his use possession all day. They're so calm on the ball and Paul O'Dea would have been a big loss to that. He, he injured his knee against Nace last week and had to go off early after 13 minutes here. He didn't look right, but still they, they, they steadied the ship and, and they kept it going um, and throughout the game their, their use of possession was just brilliant and when the backs got on top they were on top of their Lachlan forwards for a lot of the game and then I suppose once they they were on top they were giving good balls in and they have a deadly forward line which is like when you're missing Donald Burke who's the best forward in Dublin it's a huge loss for a club team like it's yeah. a huge loss for Dublin never mind a club team but the Fiennes still have a great forward line and they have the two curries in there Um the two boys were brilliant. Um, AJ Murphy gave Hugh Lawler. They were against the best club backline, I suppose you're going to see in in who, who O'Loughlin Gales have with with all their all stars and so on. But um, yeah, Nafina were unlucky, and I've talked for the last five minutes there about that game. I, I just really, um, <laughs> really enjoyed the game. there. I thought Nafina were were unlucky not to not to win it.
0: Yeah, I mean <clears throat> the stat here. O'Loughlin forwards only scored three from play. You talk about them being very defensive. Uh, or, well that's, that's there's more stars studded in the defensive line anyway and I guess that kind of shows when you think of that only two of them actually scored
1: exactly Paddy Deegan scored five points from play from centre back like. Yeah. like this was the this was the Paddy Deegan final he was he was unbelievable um, probably similar to Liam Rush um, Nafina Pulled out a sweeper. It's hard to tell when you're not there. I was watching this in the telly. It looked like it was Michal Murphy who had a very good game. But I suppose it did. It freed up um, Deegan. And as Richie Hogan said after, he's worked a lot on his his long-range shooting. And you could see that he scored. He scored all sorts of points. And um, even when... Nafina were pushing for a late score he was the man that was running out with breaks he's an unbelievable engine and um, it was it was all it was it was his it was his final definitely
0: mm-hmm. and you just mentioned Richie Hogan there um, obviously they were talking to him after the match or before it even uh, just talking about uh, retirement from his inter county inter- career and he just just a quote from him in here he said I feel fine I felt Uh, I got the most I could out of it that's for sure happy to get 17 seasons which is a lot more than most people are lucky enough to have some of those were difficult some of those were great but I'm very much content wouldn't say I'm happy but very much content that I've done enough and then this is where it gets interesting he said I would say the game now suits a player like me far more than it would have initially because when I started you're talking about high balls coming into the square and balls coming out from puckouts all of the time which was just never easy so like it's mad to think that, you know, in his latter years he he's probably more suited to the game, but injuries and, and other things have maybe prevented from seeing the best of that.
1: Yeah, I say that was the, the shame, I suppose, that um I suppose in the last five years he has been he has been dogged with um all sorts of injuries, back and and hamstring and so on. And that he, he's he's right, like the game as it is now would be perfect for a player like him that was, I suppose, so skillful and so sharp with his strike and pass and touch, everything, that he would have um, been perfect for it. But I suppose it's a testament to the talent that he has that he was still able to stand out, um, even when under Brian Cody, the game was a small bit more direct and... and so on so um, yeah no I thought um, Richie was he was it was the first time I seen him doing the analysis and he was beside um, Owen O'Donnell on it and the, uh, the boys were were brilliant uh, O'Donnell said it was the closest I've marked him many times against Dublin but it was the closest I've ever got to him as I'm standing beside him here now so um, that was the truth but Richie is he's very good on the analysis he's a real straight talker and um, I I thought he was brilliant now he said he um, said yeah, he gave a lot of credit to to Paddy Deegan for, for his performance in that game and um definitely uh that was hugely deserved. But um yeah, it was it was the second half of that game now it was was it really kicked off because I suppose you would have thought that Nafina needed a goal and when they got the goal, a brilliant goal from the two Curries. Who I'm sure will will be seen more from um in in Dublin colours over the next few years because they're two really composed players and when they got that goal it put O'Loughlin's under a bit of pressure, um and um they eventually they 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 stood up to it like Mark Bergen got the late free Kevin Burke was so unlucky to give it away after the great game that he's had he just kind of ran into um one of the O'Loughlin's boys, but Bergen was saying after that he missed a free in the uh, All-Ireland Colleges final in Croke Park in 2007 um, against De La Salle. This was for Kilkenny, CBS, and he said it was around the same position. So it was a nice moment of redemption for him Mm -hmm. that he could, uh, you know, I suppose, put those demons to bed. And that was what he said. He said walking around before the game, uh a half time in Kim he said Paddy Deegan asked me, whereabouts was it you got that free? And I showed him and he said, uh, you'll nail one today. So Paddy brought it up from anyway, <laughs> the bad memories if he hadn't uh forgotten them. But uh to be fair to him, he, he he actually said, I walked out of Croke Park about half the man I was beforehand, he said after after that one. And that was only a yeah. schools match. So do you know yeah. I suppose it shows the the impact things can have on lads.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um then the other hurling match, of course, <clears throat> was Bally Gunner's uh third monster title in a row. And now this game wasn't quite as competitive in that sense. Like Ballygunner, they're just a, a completely different machine.
1: Oh the Um like we've seen Ballygunner so much over the last five years, really. Um they've won four four monsters in the last five years, and I'd say this was this was one of their one of their best performances like and we've seen many of them but they were just um, incredible Um, their slick use of possession everything everything to hand nothing rarely breaks down like and and like while like Clannara their manager Donald Madden like he was proud of his side's performance and, and he should be too because they didn't they didn't throw in the towel they battled hard they brought lots of spirit and fight they even got a good start but against Bally Gunner, does it just seems like a completely different level and it it was different level yesterday
0: yeah I know um, Donald Madden I think he was saying afterwards they're like an inter-county team the movement and the skill that they have it's just so hard to keep up with them and that sort of sums them up really I mean like an inter-county team and, and even just the professionalism of and you've seen that too with the Kevin Mahoney's goal Um, just how slick it was you know they're like mm. a well-oiled machine Um, you mentioned it, but like nothing ever everything goes ball to hand and they never look like dropping it or... <clears throat> everything's just done with so much intent intent and speed and fluidity. Like, uh, they're just... Yeah, a county team, that's probably the best way to describe them.
1: Yeah, it was interesting watching it on TG Heard They were interviewing Daryl Sullivan, the manager, after the game. And they showed him uh, that brilliant goal that Kevin Mahoney scored. And they asked him... Uh, Michal on last him, he was like at what point are you thinking that there's a goal on here and O'Sullivan kind of waits and pauses and then the ball comes into Desi Hutchinson and he hits the last uh, pass cross and as it comes to Desi Hutchinson O'Sullivan just like there Mm -hmm. and like most lads at that point would be thinking right I'll take my point here but that's just the way Bally Gunner think and that's the way they play and O'Sullivan as well, like he was already saying, like we'll enjoy the night tonight, um, but you know they'll be thinking about St Thomas's tomorrow. He said, so that's the level that they're at. I know the game's in two weeks um, from now, so it's quick enough turnaround. But it's the level that they're at, and uh, to be quite honest, now I can't. I I know um, O'Loughlin Gail has been impressive, and Tom, that, to, they're playing Thomas's in the All Ireland semi final, but I can't see anyone coming. Um, beating Bally Gunner, to be honest this year yeah. they just look like a uh, a different level
0: well especially with Hill, sort of gone like I mean they must be I know I know they're going to be process warriors you know and they're not going to look too far ahead and stuff <clears> but <throat> from the outside looking and you know I mean what what an opportunity yeah like
1: Thomas' will have uh, I suppose they'll have a right to wrong in that they were they didn't show up really in last year's uh, semi-final where they were beaten by Dunloy. And they've had a few disappointing shows. They were beaten by Bursley in an Ireland semi-final. Um, so they'll be they'll come with lots of intent, and they'll be like they'll be they'll have lots of fire in the belly. Like, but um, I don't think. Listen, they've won six scholar championships in a row. They're obviously a brilliant team, like an, an unbelievable team. But I think Ballygunner are on a different level, anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit closer to home, uh, the last hurling match of the weekend was Cushendall. Beating Slack Neil. Now, this this probably was a, a, a big surprise. You know, Slack Neil were going in strong favourites. They've been um, fairly dominant in Ulster <clears> in recent years. And Lloyd won it last year and beaten them in the final, which they would have taken quite hard. And and um, but they would have gone into this match definitely as favourites. And so, f- fair play to Cushion Doll. Yeah.
1: Um... Cushional, I suppose they're the they're the Kings of Ulster. They're the most successful team in this competition. this was their twelfth um title to win.
0: Overtaken Dunloy now, is that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Overtaken Dunloy. Um as yeah, I think they were tied with Dunloy on eleven. Um maybe we could check that out. But it was the first since twenty eighteen, so by their standards, that's um definitely a bit of a of a famine and um I suppose, yeah, they got a great shock the last day when um, Port Ferry nearly had them only yeah. for Neil McManus to score that great free um, late on. So, um, a brilliant win for, for Roar Yog And, um, yeah, they'll be Dave O'Loughlin-Gales now. So, like, it's going to be a tough semi-final, but um, they always give a good account to themselves. Yeah. Uh, the Ulster teams, like Slot Neil, gave put it up to Ballyhale um, once and you know, so, or twice even, so um, this will be, uh, they'll be, they'll be backing themselves, like they'll be ready to go.
0: Yeah, and you know, like when you're on a journey like that, when you're not even expected to win your county, because Dunloy were probably the favourites there, and then you get over the lane, and then you're not expected to win the provincial title, because Lock would have been the favourites, and you get over the lane. At some point, you just start to believe that this is your year, and you know, <laughs> why should you listen to anyone when it comes to being the underdog, and uh, righting those wrongs, kind of, but, um uh, earlier in the week I was talking to Terence McNahan, or probably best known as uh, Sambo, um, and he said that this county title, this is so I was talking before the, the Ulster final, he said that this county title was by far his favourite. Um, it meant more to him than any he'd ever won as a player or as a manager. And that's because uh, earlier this year, Cushing Dahl's number one fan, John McKillop, had sadly passed away, so the team were doing it you know, for him in his memory. Uh, John had Down syndrome, and he would be seen on the sidelines of every single Doll game. Heel, snow or shine, uh, and Terence himself said that, like from when he played his first game as a child to the last time he swung a ball in anger. Um, you know, John was there to witness it. There's even a mural of him up in um, in Doll that's really lovely. You know, so they're they're sort of doing it like in, embodying in his spirit and stuff. And uh, Neil McManus mentioned him in the, in the when they when they lifted the cup as well. Uh, I thought it was funny Terence was saying that. Um, he, John had won supporter of the year every single year, you know, since they started doing that cup. So this will be the first year that someone else is going to win it, and it's going to. Everyone's already talking about it. It's a big deal. It's going to. It's nearly a bigger award than um, hurler of the year, which is funny to think. But uh, who's supporter of the year in your club?
1: Yeah, uh, God, there's uh, there's so many of them. <laughs> you couldn't uh, name. Yeah, but I suppose that. um just shows when you have a bit of a cause like, and they yeah. obviously should have talked about that and how much it would have meant to them to honour him, um, with a County title. And now they've gone on and, and won an Ulster as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, as you said, sometimes it can feel like this is your year and, uh, it's definitely been, been, uh, a brilliant one for them. Like, uh, McManus is is obviously still the the sort of kingpin and he got an unbelievable point. Mm-hmm. Um it's always Chris McCaig marking the main man, isn't it? He was yeah. Chris McCague was was marking him uh yesterday. McManus got one great point for playoff many anyway. but um as just, when he,
0: he threw the dummies yeah. back to
1: goal, yeah. Unbelievable like and uh but they've they've Joseph McLaughlin was was as impressive. He was this lad is doing his A levels, he's only a teenager and uh he got three from play and three absolutely brilliant points from play like this lad looks like a, an absolute star in the making um, in Cushendall, like so um, you know they have uh, young lads coming through as well and um, but that, yeah.
0: that is important because there was always seemed to be like an reliance nearly on Neil McManus
1: yeah exactly like and uh, to have a young lad like him in the forward line um, McManus will help help him along and he'll help McManus along too like with mm-hmm. as well so um yeah, the, their um their manager afterwards he said it's it's a good problem to have. He's talking about the, the quick turnaround. And he said, We are kings of Ulster again and we'll enjoy tonight. Knowing the boys that they are, they'll be in the sea tomorrow recovering and we'll be back in the pitch on Wednesday. Um it's brilliant to be back on the All Ireland stage against one of the best teams in the country and um yeah, uh unbelievable year for them as you said that. Um with the, I suppose, the added significance with John McKillop passes in a way, that adds to the whole significance of it all. So um, mm-hmm. they'd be, they will be very happy up in the glens today.
0: Yeah, and and just just last <coughs> on that, because um, one other thing that Terence was saying to me um, well, on Neil McManus, because obviously this year he'd announced his retirement from Antrim, but Terence made the point that, like, and you said he, you wouldn't convince him otherwise, that there isn't a better player in Antrim than no, Neil McManus still, even now, at 35 years old, you know he's still by far, um, the most talented in the county. Like that's that that's his opinion, and when you see him performing the way he does, it's it's kind of hard to disagree.
1: Yeah, he's unbelievable. Like, um, we had him on the show earlier the year, this year, and he talked about like was he 17, 18, 19 years playing for, um, Rory Ogle, and he's still, you know, to still be as good as ever, it shows the amount he puts into it and how well he looks after himself and the passion he has for it as well at this age. And like, you know, by listening to him, uh, the passion he has for the game is, is unbelievable. And uh, yeah, to uh, if, he, like Sambo says, he's still the best, Like he could be a bit biased now as a as a fellow cushioned all-man, mm-hmm. but uh, he could easily be right. Like, Antrim have a, a number of brilliant... Hurlers like between Dunloy, Lockiel, and Cushendall,
0: like so. Um, yeah, they're they're going well. No, absolutely. Um, and <clears> that'll do us for part one. We'll be back in part two, where we go through the ladies' results and talk about the dreaded players' charter. So uh,
1: the. Ladies' semi-finals took place in the ladies' football and the camogie. Um, it was an interesting one in the ladies' football semi-finally. Um, hmm. Kilcarran Clonburne taking on Croaks. Like I wonder who Shane Walsh was shouting for. He was there with one of them
0: half-and-half <laughs> half jerseys that everyone used to have. <laughs>
1: um, it's the fourth final in a row that Kilcarran Clonburne won. They won by two points. So, um, It's their fourth final in a row to, to reach. They've won the last two. So... Um, they're obviously, uh, they're flying like they're the, the dominant team there. They'll be playing against Ballymacabery, which is it's a great traditional one because it's their first final since 1998, but they're a hugely traditional club. They've won something like 45 county titles in a row in in Waterford. And I did a video a kind of documentary with them about three or four years ago down in, in Ballymacabery with Michael Ryan, who... He managed uh, the four my water hurlers, I believe, this year. And he managed Bally and Waterford ladies footballers for years. And one of the best characters you'll ever meet in the G.A. But they hadn't; they won something like nine Ireland's clubs themselves back in the 80s and 90s. And it's their first final since 98. So they beat Clonairn of Arma in the semi-final. So it's great to have them um, back in the All-Ireland final. Um, I know Clon. Gave them a bit of a beating last year in the semi final, so um, they'll be hoping to improve on that. And um, then in the Camogie, the Sarsfields of Galway played Sarsfields of Cork. Bit of a tongue twister there for any commentators yeah. uh, who were covering that game. But similar to, I suppose, similar to Kilcarron um the Galway side are going for three in a row, and it's their fifth straight final appearance um, in the senior club Camogie. So Siobhan McGrath with another crucial goal for for them, not the new there because she always seems to score in big games, whether it's for Galway or Sarsfield. And they'll be playing Dixborough, who uh defeated Loch of, of Antrim. So um that'll be a good a, a good final as, as as well. Um the other one was Nafina and Nafina played the two games in two days. There was obviously a bit of yeah. controversy about that with uh, the the intermediate hurling Camogie on Saturday to beat Eglish of Throne. And then Sunday, they uh, were beaten by Meyer of Cork, who 12 of their players were playing for Sarsfields of Cork <laughs> in the senior Camogie semi-final. That's so, um, just a headache. That's a headache. And uh, Nafina lost uh, football, which was the Sunday, Uh Maybe the tiredness, the camogie in the legs, was a yeah. few people giving out about that. Um, and Glenmire, they won on the Sunday and have lost on the Saturday. Well, Sarsfield haven't lost on the Saturday, 12 of the players involved. So at least uh, for them <laughs> clubs, it was tough, uh, busy weekend, but at least they both won one game. So yeah. <laughs> Uh could be worse.
0: It could have been worse, definitely. And, and speaking of things getting worse, <laughs> is this um, dreaded players charter that's been in the rounds on social media you've obviously seen it you've, you're <laughs> living under a rock if you haven't um, more news has came to light from uh, Bridge, the, the Hurling team that, that have came out that has, has been revealed that it's, it was their players charter um, I'm not going to read the full thing but basically they were making the point that um, to quote it was as a result of a discussion between players and management um, the players came back to the management and said, this is the feedback from the year. The feeling among the lads was that if they really want to have a crack at winning a county championship, they needed to make more sacrifices. If you want to go for a J1, if you want to go to Australia, that's fine. Best of luck to you. You're always clanbridge, but you can train with us, but we can't have you back a week before a championship and expect to go straight into the senior team. <laughs> you know, and they were just trying to contextualise the situation. Um, what, what, what's your feelings on the players' charter? First of all, when it emerged... Um, was doing the own because I actually thought someone was maybe taking the piss
1: <laughs> yeah um, I suppose looking at it initially um, there was so much outrage about it yeah. Um, like I tried to kind of read like actually read into like what actually was what was said on it and like there was nothing that was too the, the real probably annoying one um, was the bit about you know the drinking from June to October it has yeah. to be approved, like yeah. or, or you know because that could be taken anyway. Like, are you not allowed to just yeah. say you're out for me? Like, are you not allowed to have a point? Like, or do you have to ring your manager and or what? Well, like, how um, the the main problem with it is that it was it was down in black and white. Like, yeah, like, it always it's always going to read a lot harsher, isn't it? It is like like this, like this is like an unwritten rule among like. GA players and GA clubs that, you know, you don't, you're not going to like, if a lad goes on a J1, like it's obviously he's, that's not ideal for a club. And mm-hmm. like a lot of it, you would agree with the stuff that is said, but it just, it does, it's, it's treating them, it's the way that you're kind of treating them like babies is yeah. is what I see as the main problem, as well as the drinking one, maybe they were like, Maybe it is. It wasn't as rigid as, as as it was wrote down. Yeah. Like to be fair to the Bridge, like. But yeah, it's just there shouldn't be a need like for this that there yeah. be an order to do this and you have to do this. Um, like as I said, I would a lot. I would agree with a lot of the things in it. Like yeah. a lot of people are kind of using this as an opportunity to say that oh, the game like, gone. The game is gone, yeah. and nobody is enjoying this. And club g a is gone like intercounty g a and where's the enjoyment gone and like i think like i think it's a good like why is it a bad thing that like people are, are trained like i don't think it's a bad thing that people are training hard and they're putting a lot into it mm-hmm. and I'd say that a lot of club players enjoy that aspect of it that you know it is getting a little bit more professional and it's getting faster and like I don't see that as a bad thing, as some people do see it. Like, yeah. oh, they're out training hard. Like, what is wrong with that? Like, yeah. and they're
0: giving up weekends for. Yeah, like things.
1: people. Some people enjoy kind of doing this, and like, there's so many layers to this. Like, you yeah. could just you could talk about it forever. Like, lads saying as well that there's no place for the the player that um, there's no place for the player anymore. That you know mightn't be the fittest and doesn't put the yeah. Like he might He'd have all the skill, but doesn't have thing. the yeah. fitness. But like, there there is a place for them. Like, if yeah. the, on like a junior team, like do you know? Yeah, and like if, if you want to put the work. Them, if there's like, like people, players want to like put in a lot of work. Like do you know? And they enjoy the elite aspect of it. It's just that's kind of getting away from the charter, which I'm not. I don't agree with. Like, but yeah. You
0: know, I know. Well, I, I I like the idea of having like a player-led conversation where they set out like values and rules. I, I'd be a hypocrite because I I did it myself when I when I managed these Belfast ladies Yeah, I um, heard you
1: you had one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They just weren't allowed to drink all year though. Um, if I if I <laughs> made that rule, uh, no one would be showing up uh, in our team. But <laughs> we, really, mine wasn't really a player starter. It was more just about um, uh, I wanted them to come up with like a list of values, and I wanted them to rank them in terms of what's the most important thing and you know and really it was to get them all just to singing off the same hymn page you know and the idea that we're all you know focused in on something let's make our goals really really clear so you want to win a championship right let's break that down how do you win a championship and like well training needs to be of a certain level of a certain intensity well how do you maximize that well you got to get there on time you know or do you get there on time and you know Mm -hmm. and i would ask the question to the girls you know um so, like, what do you think is the best? Like, do you have to be there early? Do you have to be there in time? Or can you show up a little bit late? It's not a big deal. And obviously they all said, no, you should probably be there early, which I don't think is crazy, mm-hmm. you know, unless obviously there's a valid reason. But really what I was doing in that situation was, you know, more or less telling them. But then I was able to say, girls, you said this, you know, like yeah. this is your thing. <laughs> but um, if that was the the method that the managers used in terms of, Trying to get them to co- convince them to get their make their own drink bands. I maybe disagree with that. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I think there, there's just certain levels. I think you you can't get too involved with personal lives. I get I have an issue too with maybe there's a lot in it about golf. That must have been a real gripe with some of the players. They were playing golf near training sessions or something like that. Um, I said, come on, let let the lads play a game of yeah. golf. Yeah. No. What <laughs> you did your what man say wants?
1: yesterday? The source that was with Dermot Crow and the uh, Sun Independent, he said. We weren't banning golf. Like, he was obviously asked about <laughs> this, like, cause there was, that was the funny one everyone was picking out, like. And he said it was more about lads not missing training because they played eighteen holes of golf, yeah. you don't play golf the same day as an important training session. Like, which is like you can't train with the proper intensity. Like that is probably fair enough. Like if you're playing golf, like me and hooking balls into the forest and into the lake and yeah. you have to chase after them, like you will be tired enough by the time the seven. All oh, you do more like, running
0: and playing golf <laughs> in Good Ireland comes way. around. Like yeah, so <laughs> uh, it is, it is that one did read out to be funny. It must. It's so funny because like you think all clubs are the same when you see these charters, but that was obviously a specific thing. There must be a group lads there that just love their golf and they're maybe always away. Um, Was there something in it too about not playing soccer after a certain amount of time as well? That was mentioned as well, yeah. Yeah, things like that. I'm at too, like, does it need to be button writing? Like, my (laughs) thinking is, like, if you're out playing soccer on the Saturday or you miss a training because you're playing a soccer match, you're probably not going to play the next match, but you can still redeem yourself later on, you know, rather than, that's it, you're just not in the panel. Like,
1: you shouldn't have to write this down. Yeah. Like, like
0: if if a team, if team
1: wants to win, like, and they're you know a senior club like lads won't be um like you're you're not really going to be like booking as he said uh, two weeks in at the week before a championship game like yeah. you're not going to be doing that like so you should trust you have to trust lads to do yeah. it themselves because like, when they're told they can't do something that's when lads will be like you'll get a little bit of, like do you know you'll get a bit restless then yeah. and you might actually just do it because of that despite some well, some chatter like this Like, and, so. it, and
0: it's so easy to make them promises this time of the year do you know when the season hasn't started yet you're you maybe haven't played in a few weeks and you're kind of looking forward to getting back you've still got Christmas to look forward to
1: January resolution time January
0: resolution so then you attack it but then it gets to March April you've missed a few birthdays you know and different celebrations and stuff and then suddenly you're maybe got dropped for a game and you're like, well, what am I doing all this for? You know, like it's so easy for it to, to unravel. And I always remember um, Gary Neville, I know I'm going wayward here, but like Gary Neville said uh, on have some podcast anyway, but he was talking about Roy Hodgson being the England manager and how he was the assistant manager. And Gary Neville was suggesting that they like list out these rules that they, all the England players should follow. And Roy Hodgson said, never, ever do that because it's the players that you don't want to break them that will always break them basically being like, so if you're really harsh with this sort of, you know, uniform, one size fits all kind of thing, if you drink, that's it, you're not in the squad for the rest of the year or something like that and then your best player does that but the overall objective of the whole charter was to win the championship and to win the championship you need your best player so now you're at a catch-22. Exactly, do you drop him or do you leave him on? Exactly, yeah, so you're stuck with your principles but you're going to end up with the same result in the sense that you might not win your county championship which was the goal from the beginning. So I just think when you're working with people you have to have that sort of wiggle room and allow yeah. them to be people.
1: Yeah, and when it's in writing it's it's not like yeah. it, the more rules there are the more that can be broken. So yeah, um, Players' charters, big no-no from no. the GR.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so, overall. I, I will say in their defence that sometimes when you write them things down, they're writing them in bullet points. So they maybe had like long discussions with all the specifics in terms of like the golf, say. Um, mm. But when they were writing them in the players' charter, they wanted to fit it in like a small page. So that's why it was bullet-pointed <clears throat> and very... Matter, matter of fact, fact yeah. yeah you know and, and so therefore maybe harsher than what it was yeah and we're kind still. of forgetting
1: that it was the players the leadership group that yeah. wrote it themselves yeah. like maybe so. they're all
0: just you know super obsessed with it like you yeah. know and this, this, the it's heat over goal, the top though really. and like it's
1: <laughs> it's not going to work for everyone like so no
0: no it definitely is not and then and you know what I've never seen anything like that before so this whole idea that the game's gone and this is everywhere it's the first time I've ever seen it there was
1: something like five seven or eight years ago at St. Bridget's of Dublin and they have some contract that the players had to sign and I think it was more of a thing like back around twenty fifteen. Remember yeah. when drinking man's were like a really yeah. good thing like
0: was well, he Jim McGuinness when he took over Donegal in two thousand eleven? And um, they had a, a really famous meeting in this hotel at the start of the year. And this is when Donegal were in dire straits, like, you know, they they were not a good team, or they well, they were a good team, but they weren't having the success. And he got them all basically they all drafted a contract up together. They did this whole thing they talked it all through and he got all the players to sign the contract and then if you broke it, I think Eamon McGee, no, not Neil McGee, maybe. One of the McGee brothers, uh, the, the, I'm sure they'll correct me, uh, broke it, and then he was kicked straight off the panel at the start of that year, and he had to beg to get back in later on in the season. And I think Kevin Cassidy, that whole book thing, that was a part of the contract. Mm-hmm. So that's why he wasn't in, you know, because it was all there in principle. And then it's that whole copycat nature of GAA, isn't it? You know, so Jim McGuinness did it. Uh, they went on to win an All Ireland. So then everyone has to do it, and, you know, and, it, and then it seeps through. But it definitely was a bit of a. A craze really more than anything else.
1: Yeah, so you're telling me if Donegal win the All Ireland, then
0: uh, there'll be fences around every J pitch in the country. That's a lovely transition. I really like that. Uh, Yes, that was under our next topic with Jim McGuinness. He's looking, uh, is it 55k? Yeah, 55k to build a fence up around Donegal's training ground so uh, spies can come in and and watch them train. I mean I don't really know what to say little bit like Jim McGinnis he's probably a, a pretty paranoid guy but <laughs> I, I think it's just more like his intensity levels are just so through the roof and like Nick when, when he dissects like every you know possible outcome and uh, wants to eliminate all chance of like things going wrong and he obviously sees this as one way of doing it and I think the difference now between him coming in in 2011 compared to now is that like what what are Donegal's chances of winning the All Ireland with the bookies? They must have been slashed ever since he, you know, <clears throat> took over the job. Whilst the first time around no one had really heard too much of him other than maybe his playing years and what he'd done with the club. But now there's a huge expectation. Is he gonna change the game? What radical thinking is he gonna bring into it? So I do think there will probably be a few uh, spectators at, at Donegal training um, but I don't know if it's worth 55k to
1: Yeah <laughs> but you <laughs> like their matches in like the league and even the priest competitions are going to be like Yeah on telly like you well, can go to them
0: From his book what I remember was that like Mechanic Cop couldn't give two fiddlers about it. Right. Uh, uh they just basically played and then he said to the players "Is like where well, are you going to count all your Mechanic Cup medals at the end of yeah. the end of your career and then I do think the league as well was a bit of an experimental thing where they maybe only worked on one element of don't show really hand, like yeah he is very like that and then yeah. um, when it gets to Ulster uh, that's when the 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 big guns come out in terms of the changes but maybe the, the big crazy change is that there's no changes do you, do you know and, and really what he does is he makes good footballers through like intensity and dedication and Players' charters
1: <laughs> and fences, yeah, 55,000 fences. fences.
0: But the the fence now, that's um,
1: time will tell, yeah. Uh,
0: I don't, I'm not too sure many. You know, there the, the probably won't be a copycat thing because I don't think all the other counties will be able to afford that sort of money,
1: yeah. Well, that's the line in the hills of Donegal to build a wall around Donegal, isn't it? Or something, yeah, so
0: that, that may be it. Build a fence,
1: they need to change that, <laughs> to go stone shave.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well. That's all we have time for today in the GAR. Remember to tune in next week where we'll be talking about the Ulster final and all of the other hurling and football that may be on as well as the the news throughout the week. See you then. Sports Joe presents the GAA hour.